Hi, this is Kirk Reed. Bear with me as we need a little compliance disclosure. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's generally not the case with callers we speak with on the show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. After all, we just met. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Callers should check with their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions that we may make. At times on this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. Investment returns are not guaranteed, and past performance does not guarantee future results. My name is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to McNamara on Money. My co-host, sidekick, and favorite sister-in-law, Sharon McNamara, is keeping me company this Good morning. Good morning. And I hope the other two or three aren't listening, but that's okay. You that's all right. I'm still the favorite. Yeah, I understand. Okay, it's because uh, I'm married to the baby. That's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Folks, uh, we're talking real estate and whether you can afford it and uh, a bunch of other things. We're doing a, we do a live show from Marshfield today, so if you're in Marshfield and you have a real estate conundrum, or a, word. by the way, that's a question, or, or something you're mad about, uh, give us a call at uh, 781-837-4900. If you're in the Merrimack Valley, stay tuned. Uh, there are probably some Marshfield callers who will ask some good questions. We promise to say some smart stuff about real estate in the next hour or so anyway. So hang in there, folks. Uh, real estate. We were talking about downsizing or right-sizing, as they say in the real estate business. You have to have the right terminology. Mm-hmm. I like right-sizing. Good, I like good right-sizing. marketing term. Thanks. Anyway, I think uh, my, my generic advice would be that if you're going to move to what you think is a smaller, better home. I wish you luck and I hope that works for you. But you probably should try to do that before you retire Mm -hmm. because maybe, and we'll get to vacation homes that become retirement homes here sometime, perhaps. But anyway, it it would be a good idea if you did that a year or two before you retire. And by the way, it would be a really good idea if you did a lot of research about why you were moving, whether you had to or whether you wanted to Mm -hmm. think. Okay, and if if you do that, I just think you're in better shape than after you retire, making that decision sort of a thing. But anyway, so if you if you downsized, okay, because you want to, in other words, you didn't have to do something in terms of cleaning up debt or affordability or whatever, okay, so there's a, yeah, I've noticed a trend in the grandparent world uh, in the last few years. And the trend is that folks are settled into their downsized or right-sized retirement home. They're just having a rack, whopping good time in, mm-hmm. in retirement. And all of a sudden, there's a grandkid that pops up in Poughkeepsie, okay, mm-hmm. or Atlanta, or, or Boise, or whatever. And I am actually fairly amazed at the percentage of retired newly minted grand folks who yeah. have decided they're packing it in and heading down to Boise to take care of the kids while they're growing up sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. I would guess you've had that happen. 100%. <laughs> we have seen so much of that yeah. and the need to do it. It's just the cost of even just daycare and getting... I look at some of my younger agents that have the young kiddos and honestly, by the time you drop them off at the bus yeah. and go to do what you need to do, yeah. you are back at the bus. Yeah, and it yeah. goes by so fast. So having somebody there to get them off the bus and everything. One of our agents, the Flynn team, their wonderful married couple team, they, a couple of years ago, opted to sell their house and her his parents' house in Hanson, and they bought one 
house with an in-law on it. I thought on my list too. All right. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So yeah. Okay. that's what they decided to do. And there are a lot of pros and cons to that. Well, there's a lot they of, get along. Huh? Yeah. There's a lot of things you have to be thinking about when you make that type of a decision. One of them hoping that the couple stays together if you're putting all your equity there, into it. There you go. There you go. If you yeah. end up in boy, you have to give that some very careful thought. It's an emotional thing. The first grandkid is grandmother right it sets in it's mm-hmm. after the first one and it gets just in more serious as you go down the line there. So I can't imagine what it's like with kids. I told you off air, I had Casey's dog, Sophie, all weekend last weekend because they had a wedding in New York. And this weekend, I have Mackenzie's dog, Tallulah, because she's down in South Carolina visiting her boyfriend. How's that going? (laughs) I'm exhausted. My two dogs are like, wait, what do you mean they don't sleep in? But anyway, it's certainly a wonderful family thing to be able to do. There could be some problems with that. Even if you're successful at finding a new place, whether it's a condo or whether it's a home or whether it's an in-law kind of a thing. Even if you're successful at that, what happens if one of your children or grandchildren gets like a new job and to go from Boise to, to Biloxi or whatever? You downsizing I don't know how many times you can do it after you retire and make that work, to be perfectly honest with you. But I've had people move. I mean, why do I think about that? You're going to move out to be near your daughter. Most of the time it's a daughter. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a son. But you're going to move out there. You don't know anybody. You don't have a social life out there. You don't have any friends mm-hmm. or neighbors. So you're moving away from your social circle in this part of the world. That's a really big commitment. And, and when the times where you were not watching those grandkids, you might start wondering why you did that sort of a thing. Yeah. So I, it's... I I think it's cool, but I've seen some people struggle because they were after retirement and they couldn't quite make the math work. And they're in a place that's okay, Mm -hmm. not great, and that's just kind of how it is. And that trade-off's okay. But what happens when those grandkids get older? How long you live? And that's what, as you were saying that, I'm just sitting here contemplating like the generational situations with that. And like where I am in my life right now is, okay, Casey's 28, Mackenzie's soon to be 27. They're off doing their own thing and I'm there to watch the dogs or do whatever. Casey just got married, but when the kids come... It's, I feel like right now is like the time for me and Mark to get reacquainted. Yeah. And then in comes... Who is, know, Who is this guy? Anyway? Yeah. Hey, <laughs> I actually still like you. Yeah, okay. Empty nest. <laughs> Empty huh? nest. Oh. And that's the thing is, you know, then to, I'm just thinking, would I be willing to pick up everything we have right now together? We have the boat and we yeah. spend great summers together yeah. to go do that. Is it so they can have a better life? Because I feel like I already gave them that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they didn't have to pay for their undergrad and things like that. So, like, I sacrificed a lot for those years to hopefully set them up where... Does that sound selfish? Is it because I don't have grandkids yet that yeah. I feel that way? Yeah, and you might feel differently, right? That uh, just Yeah, it, I just don't know. It's pretty amazing, actually. I, it's I've experienced that myself, obviously, but you can just see eyes light up when people start talking about moving. And great for them, but it's just a higher degree of difficulty if you're going to move after retirement. And you probably can't do that too many times. If it doesn't work out in Boise and they move to Biloxi, you're going to follow them or you're going to head back yeah. home? Or how does that work sort of a thing? Yeah. I, I don't know. Okay. And that's the thing, the situation <laughs> we were talking about in-laws, too, yeah. is you really have to have a good plan in place when that happens. If you are willing to take the equity from your home to put it into one of your children's homes. That gets exciting all by itself, doesn't uh, it? There's that conversation that's going to start. Where's my retirement yeah. type thing? Yeah. What happens when mom or dad or both are not here any longer. And that's the thing. Previously, we used to see the in-law situation for one of the parents, either mom or dad, because the other has passed. Now we're seeing mom and dad are both there. Really? Yeah. Okay. Which is... 
I, I Actually, guess. I just had one of those pop in my business a few months ago. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, okay. so now it's both mom and dad are yep. there. So once one passes, you're taking on the responsibility to care for them and everything as they're getting older too. But what happens if you know, your daughter and son-in-law decide to get divorced or vice versa, your son and daughter-in-law, whatever it is, the situation, what happens then? Is there a life estate plan in place? Hey, so long as I am alive, I can stay in this house, regardless of what happens to the two of you. That's why you have to get the attorneys involved in all that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. The other thing is grandparenthood enters into the retirement calculations and actually most of the time afterwards you know what we have folks are generally retiring a bit earlier at least a lot of the folks that i know and a whole bunch of folks that retire probably 30 or 40 percent of them don't have grandkids yet and so when we sit down and start trying to figure out the math and try to come up with a financial plan for them to be okay for the rest of their life we we add in grandkid expenses whether they like it or not because you would not believe how much money grandparents spend on grandkids that they had not planned for a thing. It's pretty interesting. Oh, that so, is interesting. Yeah, yeah, it really is. A, a fair percentage of a, some retirement budgets go to kids and grandkids just because it's fun. But if you don't have grandkids or if you never thought about that, I mean, a, after the fact, it's a little bit harder to pull off versus before the fact. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yep. Yeah, it yeah. is interesting. There's some fairly large percentages of people's budgets that end up with going with kids and grandkids related expenses, the shopping trips for the dresses, and, oh, yeah. uh, and all that other good stuff. And that's terrific. But my point is that you need to kind of plan for that thing. And if you don't have grandkids, just imagine how that's going to unfold. So, so we would tell somebody who was sitting in, so how many friends you got the grand, uh, grandparents? Oh, we had to go talk to them and then come back and tell me what you think. And they uh-huh. said, holy moly, so just something to think about. Okay. But anyway, if the other downsize is I'm going to retire and move to a warm climate and live the life sort yeah. of a thing. Uh, that's my dream. Okay. Okay. Where would you go? So I can't go to Fort Myers right now. Inland. Fort <laughs> yeah. Inland, Florida, maybe. But. Inland, Florida. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. That's one of the shows we're going to be trying to put together soon. I have some agents from uh, several of the sand states just to talk about what they see in an influx of people going to like Arizona and Texas and places maybe like Jacksonville and Florida yeah. versus yeah. being... Yeah. Or Petal, Mississippi. Mississippi. They moved to Petal, Mississippi. Really? Think about that. They loved it for about 10 years. Okay. Huh. So... Here are some problems with that, that maybe some folks hadn't thought about, but you move to a new place because you've always wanted to go there, a sand state. I love that term anyway. Do you have friends there already? Yeah. Do, do you have family already? Are you plugged into a, oh yeah, we got seven or eight neighbors and we visited a few times down mm-hmm. there and we stayed with my brother-in-law and we can, and it's a, a, great, great. You've at least done some research and mm-hmm. experience going to a place. But if you go to a place that you don't have any kind of uh I can't believe I'm saying this, social contact in place. Yeah. It gets, guys can go fishing and golfing probably or boating and not think too much about yeah. it. I, I think a, many women and some guys need that social connection and stuff to do the yeah. thing. So, so it, is there in place some kind of a social, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you're, you're, <coughs> excuse me, uh, friends and relatives yeah. that you can hang with. Social magnet. Yeah. It's like a culture yeah. of people that you want to be yeah, hanging out with. Yeah, it's tough starting to do that from scratch at mid-60s in a strange place you've never been to before. Yeah. Things. So if you are thinking about living the good life and all and moving to some place, I, I think you need to do some research, folks. And I, I, th- I think what you need to do, is, and I, research meaning spend a week or two there for the next three or four years before you pull the trigger and see what you think about it. Or travel all around North Carolina and see whether you like the mountains or whether yeah. you like the ocean or sort of a thing. Yeah, That's a scary thing if you don't have 
a social world plugged in place there. That, that's what I would say. So interesting to see that. The other, so, so here's the other issue, though. So you head down to Jacksonville. You're happily retired. You're in this beautiful little place, whether it's a condo, whether it's a little beach cottage or it's on a lake, whatever. Okay, you got two people in their 60s, and, and they get older, and one's going to die sometime. And who's left is maybe starting to get a little more difficult making life work. And all your kids are in Massachusetts, and you're sitting in Jacksonville. And at some point, either your kids start beating you up about moving back because they're, they worry about uh-huh. you and they want you to come back so that they can help out with you or you start beating your kids up and tell them that they're, you're coming back because you're by yourself and you need yeah. some support sort of a thing. That's a big deal to uh-huh. move to a place where you don't have support in place and who's thinking about that when you retire? Yeah. What do you mean? Now, when, when I'm old and feeble and can't get up in the morning and need help doing this, that and the other thing, where are you going to be? And in that world, Family caregivers are a very large percentage of where that's happening. I think so. You got to be careful about thinking about that because you might have to move back sometime. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that was a good plan or not to begin with. And where do you move back to? That's yeah. the thing. Is yeah. if you're a snowbird and you're here half the year and half a year there, yeah. then at least you have some place to come back to if you have to sell one or the other. Yeah. yeah. But then for people who just sell everything and take off, as you were talking earlier, though, it sounded dreamy <coughs> to get away from everybody. Yeah. For a while, <laughs> by the way. If you're healthy enough to make it work and keep <laughs> yeah. active, absolutely. Oh yeah. my gosh, I can golf five days a week. Yep. Yeah. 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 I've never been on a golf course. Do you know that? No, no kidding. Never once. No. But I do remember when Mark and I visited you in March of this year and it was the community that you're in and just walking and seeing like the same people every morning and stuff. And you could see groups of women chit chatting yeah. and yeah. neighbors and everybody stopping to talk with their dogs and stuff like that. As you were saying what you were saying, I was like, that's such a very good point because, yeah, of course I want to live in this world. Yeah. But is it really like that all the time? Yes, Probably. Like, I, I call it like leave it to beaver yeah. scenario for pe- folks. I'm dating myself, but I'm living in that neighborhood and it's a pretty nice thing, actually. But yeah, but yeah. so as you get older, you just got to worry about a support system and hopefully you've built that. Hopefully some of your kids are mm-hmm. wealthy enough to help you out if you have some difficulties with that or hopefully have plenty of money. What, what's, what, what, talk about downsizing. But the other, do you get a condo? Do you get a freestanding home or do you get an in-law apartment so tell me an in-law apartment story that's scary do you have any bad ones or you want to get a good one Um, there's a home that exists with one or you add one on and pay some money some people are doing a little bit of both i did have a thought too though about what you were saying about the other right sizing thing about moving but i lost that thought but with the in-law situation i think that a lot has to go into it and what your thoughts are i actually sit on the affordable housing committee for the town of pembroke and we had our meeting last week and we were looking at these things because my concern is really a certain demographic of people who all they have is their house. And where are they going to go? Yeah, that's a large percentage of America, by the way. Yeah, so they're in this house and they can't really afford to be there anymore. They can't maintain it anymore. They they can't afford to have somebody cut the lawn and to do the snow removal and they're by themselves. But they literally have no place to go. So I'm only using the word burden because that's what it feels like to some people but the person the people who are helping you don't feel like you're a burden but then you know now it's the family who are the younger they have younger kids of themselves or whatever and they're going over there to shovel and yard work when they have their own so that quality of life is missing and what we're missing is housing for that demographic of people who need some place to go one of the things i'm excited about in pembroke right next to me where shepherd's funeral home is so shepherd's had sold a few years ago they're going to be putting in 66 apartments that are 55 plus 
That's appropriate. It used to be a funeral home. You think about <laughs> yeah, that? I know. Yeah. We thought that we would make it a bakery and call it to die for. There you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, yeah, okay. the chocolate devil's cake is to die for. But that's us just having some fun. But yeah, so that's going to be 66 units, 55 plus. There'll be affordable units in there. And I'm really excited about that, the prospect of people having options. But aren't, how do you build an affordable unit? Do you cut back on the construction? Or Not how, really. Is there funding or how do you downsize and keep it reasonable if you're building it? The other apartments are more expensive yeah. than the 25% okay, of so it. So a 40B, yeah. So 40B is 25% of whatever the full development is. Okay. So 25% of that has to be affordable. But they might, instead of having hardwood in the bedrooms, maybe it's wall-to-wall carpeting. Okay. It's very subtle differences. Yeah. From the exterior, yes. you cannot tell. Okay, yeah. So you and can, nobody knows. Yeah, you can down, downsize some of the costs by doing Yeah, it's still, mm-hmm. okay, got it. Got and it. I don't okay. think that renting is a bad option for some people. If you no. don't have the money to continuously invest, now you know what? When your faucet is sprung a leak, you call somebody to take care of it. Yeah, they take care of the snow for you, too. And they take care of the snow, and yeah. they do all of those things. Okay. So I'm hoping that will... But I feel like we need more of those places. I know um, in Kingston, they have that town and country, which is the... I don't want to call them mobile homes because they're really not mobile homes, yep. but the, the fabricated houses, I forget what they're called. Yep. Those situations are really great. They're standalone. They're beautiful inside. Yep. I feel like we need more of those. But the thing is the cost of land and the cost to develop is so much that no one, we're not seeing them anymore. We're not seeing any of that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. People moving, downsizing sometimes involves going from a home to a condo. You got any good or bad news about that in the real world? Just a different style? and, and It's just be- a different style. Yeah. Okay. And it really depends. So I have a 92-unit subdivision right now in West Bridgewater, and it's a mixture of single-family homes and duplexes. It's not a 55-plus development, so anybody can live there, which is great. And I did an open house there last weekend, and older woman had come in with her daughter. Now, she lives down in Florida, and she wants to come back to be closer uh-huh. to the grandkids. There you go. There you <laughs> so go. there's the situation. Sure. They grew up in the area. Yeah. They went to Florida. Yeah. Now this grandkids kids. We're back. She wants to come back. We're back. And so she was looking at the single family and I said, I really, what you're, cause she wanted a first floor bedroom. The model that we have doesn't have a first floor option. And I was like, we have the duplexes over there. They're absolutely beautiful first floor and they're less expensive than this. Why don't I show you those? She's, My husband would never live in a duplex. Yeah, they're sad. Yep. And I think it's a mentality. And I was like, let me just show you anyways. We're here. And I showed her and she was shocked. It has a first floor master, two bedrooms up, really nice kitchen and living room, fireplace. It's beautiful. New construction is wonderful. And she's like, I just don't know if he would ever do it. But when you're in this duplex, you can't yeah. even feel that there's somebody next to you. Yeah, yeah, understand. So some people just have it in their head. I say, don't assume. Yeah, if you have the budget to be able to make that work for yourself, fine. But if you mm-hmm. don't, uh, maybe condos, are they generally less expensive on, on average? Yeah, uh, yeah okay. they can be. And there's certainly less carrying costs. Okay, in terms of snow removal and uh, all those good things. Okay, yeah, okay. Anything yeah. else? But on you're that? also paying the condo association yeah, fee. Right. So yeah, you really okay. have to watch out for that. Yeah. So in really be condos could be a whole different conversation but when you're looking at condominiums townhouses the association what are the fees right now 
Are there any special assessments that are coming up there? Or, or could there be an assessment you don't know about? Exactly. I, I think about uh, down in Hull. What's on the island? Spinnaker Island. What happens if a big tugboat totals that bridge? What's the special assessment <laughs> that has to happen? Think, think about that for a minute. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Surprises of life. So yeah. Think, folks. This is Mike McNamara. If you're looking for a financial advisor, start by asking him or her three questions. Number one, are you a certified financial planner practitioner? Number two, are you legally held to a fiduciary standard of care for your clients? And number three, do you only give financial advice and not sell investment products? These are all simple yes-no questions. If he or she doesn't answer yes quickly and starts talking, that's a no, and it's time to move on to another advisor. We're back. My name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money. My co-host, sidekick, and favorite sister-in-law, Sharon McNamara, is with us this morning. Boston Connect Real Estate down here on the South Shore. And we're talking real estate here. Mm. You you wanted to pick up on... Did you have something you want to chat about now, or is that next? Uh, I think you said you wanted yeah, to yeah, wait that. And Got it. Okay. A uh, little bit more about the downsizing kind, kind yeah. of things. Moving from a cheap state to a more expensive state, or vice versa. Any stories mm. about that? I have some comments. But. Well, for the most part, what I'm seeing is people who want to sell here and go south. Most of my clients have been going to Florida. There's a couple actually going to Arizona. Yep. So, yep. again, the sand states are coming into it, and yep. I, I don't know... Is that like a New England dream? Is that everywhere that everyone wants to be a snowbird because they just can't? I think it has to do with the Boston Red Sox and spring training. <laughs> Honestly, really? there are so many people from Boston down in the Fort Myers area. That's interesting. But yeah. I don't know. By the way, the Carolinas, mm-hmm. actually Mississippi and Tennessee are our favorite places to be. Some folks in the Northeast want to go to a place where they have some climates. Yeah. Winter, some winter, fall, spring, but not the extent that we have the extremes up here. Yeah. The thing, but, but anyway, it's just some. Assuming you've got plenty of friends where you're going and you've done your research and stuff, you might find it difficult. If you're in a less expensive, if you're in Massachusetts, let's face it, it's a pretty expensive state Mm -hmm. relative to everything. So if you're selling in Massachusetts and buying someplace down south, mid, whatever, other than Washington, D.C., or Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. and the New Jersey's and New York's there, yeah, people can buy a whole lot more home, Mm -hmm. okay, than up here for uh, uh, quite a bit of difference. It's, a lot of I've, people flock into Tennessee. <coughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's interesting you say that. Yeah, I've got two yep. or three folks who have done that in the yep. last year. A lot of people going towards Tennessee. <clears throat> yeah, uh, and, and well, that makes it easy if you're going to be downsizing. But the, if you go the other way, that makes it... Once you get down to Tennessee, if you're going back to Massachusetts, mm-hmm. I have two sets of clients now who are trying to work their way back to Massachusetts from their sand states, and they can't... They and can't, why? Why are they doing that? Just they want to go home again for whatever reason. So I, I think it, one of them is kid-related, and... Maybe the other one. I, I can't recall, but they're both having trouble because what they bought their homes for and lived frugally in those states ain't the way it works. It's not going to happen in, in here. Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah. So it's just something else to think about in terms of how that works. That's all. I'm sticking with the downsizing, right-sizing retirement. So what about the place where you have a buy-in? You don't buy a place. You have a buy-in. Okay, you put money down, and then they, they, you get some of it back later on, and you pay a rent. Have you ever any people... Mm-hmm. You, I don't even, yeah. I've never even heard of that. Yeah. What do you mean a buy-in? Are you, are you talking yeah. like a, um, okay, what are they? What's the place? Oh, oh, okay. Uh, Linden Ponds. Yeah, Linden Ponds. Yeah. You, yeah. There's a, for, for many senior type areas, there's yeah. a, you have to put down a deposit that basically buys your place, and then there's like a rent that goes along with that, and depending yeah. on your care and like that. Yeah. I think that's a, a wonderful, the senior 
options on a scale from I'm on my own all mm-hmm. the way up to in a nursing home bed confined sort of a thing. Great, but n- not cheap. There's a small percentage of the population it is not that cheap. Can, can do that. No, not and at all. you actually referred to, <coughs> to yeah. one of your clients yeah. this year and we sold their property. They had a beautiful home in White Cliffs yeah. down in Plymouth. Yeah. And see that they had made several changes in their life yeah. too. So yeah. at where they were in their life, they had the beautiful home in Hingham. Then they wanted to right size and they got the condo that was, yep. you know, with the ocean view yep. and the golf course. We're having fun, dear. Right. Yes. And yep. what, I, honest to God, I just loved those two. They are just so special. And then they were going to go to Linden Ponds, but they ended up going to the villages, I think it's called, in Duxbury, Duxbury Villages. Yeah. And, and that is exactly why they did it. And there, I think he was in his 90s. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people are making those decisions too. I'm not so sure. They're loving it, by the way, that they're social butterflies, can't get in touch with them on the phone anymore. (laughs) The first week they were there, I called a couple times just to check in on them. And he's, I was like, you know, I'm never, I can never reach you. He goes, lunchtime around here? He's, we're like the celebrities because we're new. (laughs) That's so funny you say that. Yeah, I remember folks in the Linden Ponds, which is a very nice place. And when I walk in there, Kirk and I maybe visit two or three people or four over the course of a day. It feels like a college dorm with those people. <laughs> it literally feels like a college dorm. There's people walking around, chit-chatting, doing yeah. this, just doing that sort of a thing. And it, I think it's wonderful. And but, they're loving it. Yeah, but not cheap folks. No, uh, it is. Not cheap. Today. That is not a place where a lot of people can afford. Yeah. Uh, but I think, again, that goes back to planning, knowing where you are in order to get where you're going. Yep. And sometimes, let me ask you this, at what age do you feel like it's too late for you to almost try to catch up in making these decisions. Yeah. What, what shape are you in? Yeah. yeah. What's your health and what shape are you in is a kind of related question to that. That's for sure. Yeah. I know we're fortunate because your family and you came to my house when I had the two little kids and I remember crying in the bathroom because I was like, he wants us to save how much? I can't even <laughs> afford to get them in gymnastics right now. But How'd that work out? Yeah. But that's the good thing is we just, I just, I had faith in you, Mike. I just leaned in and hey. I was like, whatever he tells me to do, I guess I'll do. So far, so good. Yeah. But are we set up? I guess I have my appointment with Alyssa on Monday. Where are we now where both girls are settled and they're on their own and I'm not helping them financially as much as I did? Where do we sit with all of that? Could we sell our house? Yeah, by the way, people's goals change when you go to places like that. Things are different all through different stages of your life. So where you are financially and what your health and situation is in your family, that, well, can we do this now? You know, so you you just never know. In the life insurance, I had told you off air, 20 years ago, we got a life insurance policy and it expires in January. It expires in November. So do we need that anymore? Yeah. Do we have enough saved to bury us? Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> pro- probably. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah pro- probably. <laughs> Life insurance is just money that you might need if you die before you save enough money in your life to be okay in your own. Mm-hmm. That's, it's just replacing wealth you haven't hopefully built yet thing. But folks who have, oh, we have a caller. All right. Let's go here. Mike in West Bridgewater. Good morning, Mike. How are you today? I'm excellent. I hope you are as well. Thank you. So far, so good. What's on your mind? The, originally, this was a question that I wanted to just ask you, but with Sharon there, it'll add a little extra spice on Already, I'm excited already. <laughs> uh, one of the Boston stations has been advertising a company that says, why sell your property when you can rent it? And of course, they handle it for you. And I wouldn't even know how to begin to crunch the numbers on that. So I'm curious as to leaving out the 
the emotional aspects of being a landlord, strictly from a financial point of view. I want to know, my first question is, are you familiar with that concept and what do you think about it? All right, by the way, so this is something that obviously intrigued you at the very least. So is it something you'd remotely think about doing if it made sense? Just, I want to know where you're coming from on this. Or is this an academic question and we'll answer the same. Well, that's why I wanted to leave (coughs) the emotional part of being a landlord. I really have no desire to be a landlord. That's why I want to talk about this from a financial point. We are thinking about selling our house at some point in the near future. Yeah, okay. I'll start, and I'm sure Sharon will kick in and we'll bounce us back. And then don't go away. We're going to have some fun here. Okay, one of the things I like to, is that when it comes to having an investment property, and if you don't sell this and rent it and buy someplace else, that's an investment property. There, there's absolutely nothing wrong, okay, assuming you are inclined to, to have the time and effort as a land. There's nothing wrong with owning a, an investment property. As long as you have lots of time and money if you made a mistake somewhere along the line. Okay, if people go into investment real estate and they don't think about the fact that what I pay for this and what the price might be in three or four years, I have to be in here for a long time. And then the other thing about investment real estate is what about if the roof needs to be replaced? People need to have an operating account of cash of a fairly good chunk before they own a rental property because they're going to have to fix it up. There's going to be stuff that come into play given the circumstances. So if you bought it at a wrong price, okay, you need some time to recover to make it work somewhere down the line, or you have some costs that pop up that you didn't plan on, okay, both of those things could be death for investment property owners. But by the way, the landlord, okay, any company that gets between you doing the sweat equity as a landlord is probably going to take away a fairly significant part of whatever you think you might gain on that. So if you had lots of time, and lots of money behind you from the get-go to do that, it'll probably work. But you have to have some staying power for the next time we have a recession. And that if a tenant moves out, okay, and you can't find another one for the next eight months, how you doing? Okay, on the property. Or if a tenant decides to stay, and in Massachusetts, I think they could probably live there for 40 years with the way the laws are. I'm being facetious, but the, you know, t- tenants have, if you've got a tenant who's not going to pay rent or is not going to move out of there for the next 12 months and you're fighting a legal battle, you have some money to deal with that sort of a thing. There's a lot of, you have to think about the things that'll go wrong. Okay, and, and you're right, most people aren't cut out to be landlords and raise the rent. Sharon, your turn. Go ahead. Yeah, so I am on board with that. So, Massachusetts is a tenant state, which means that the all everything just is for the tenant. So it is really difficult. My husband and I, we have a multifamily. We have a two-family. We are very fortunate with who we have for rent. We keep our rents low to keep our client to keep our tenants happy. But is that a good financial decision? Probably not. But you know what? At well, least it, they're it, paying every month. It will be sooner or later. And by the way, Mike, if you have to do a mortgage, you're going to probably have to do a mortgage if you're going to buy a new one and hang on to the old one. Is that correct? I would think so. Yeah, so the other thing is that you put if you can do it for cash, great. Most people can't. So you got to put a mortgage probably on the house that you currently own so you could maybe buy or rent a new place. Well, now you got a nut you got to work on. It's called principal and interest given the circumstances. If you did a straight business loan, that's not good because they have balloons. But if you put a home equity line of mortgage or refinance the mortgage on your existing place, all of a sudden that's going to eat up most of your cash flow and your rent and your expenses. So you need to be prepared 
to not have positive cash flow in a rental place for maybe a long time. De- depends on how mm-hmm. much you paid for it. If you can sit down and do the numbers and buy an investment property where you actually have positive cash flow after the get-go, something's wrong. It can, you know, who, how many people could start out with an investment property and make all the payments for all the things and have positive cash flow? It's what, yeah. eight or ten years down the road yeah, before it, you do it that, It takes right? a while. Yeah. And why would you want to move in the first place? And is it something that you're considering anyways, or did this just sound like an enticing situation to become, you know, to have an investment property. People like to hear that. In in my particular situation, I have a home office combination and we've added on to it twice and we're <clears throat> getting along in age and the building is much bigger than we need to have right now. Okay. So, so uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. So I was going to say, are you in a location where you have mixed use where somebody could, you could rent out the, like the home office part of it or... Like what with zoning? Is it just a... We're in a commercially zoned area. Okay. I would say, so here's just an example. While we were talking, I went online just to look at single families that are on the market right now for rent. And in Bridgewater, there's one for $3,700. It's 10 rooms, five bedrooms. It's $3,700. So I know that sounds enticing, but like Mike said, if you're... Is that $3,700 going to pay a mortgage? If you're going to have to take a HELOC out on your current house to get this next house, like where are you going to end up? The numbers, I just don't know that they would work. But I do know being a landlord is not an easy thing, especially with the way that the economy is going right now, too. A lot of times people are, <coughs> hey, I have food, I have rent. And the, most importantly, no one is going to love and care for your home as much as you are. So when you have tenants in there, you sometimes end up in a situation where, you know, they're not taking care of the property. So if you do go to sell it, then you have to think about those expenses as well. Sure. And that's, that was one of the reasons. I have extra space now, and people are always asking me, why don't I rent out a room? And that's why I wanted to, for the sake of this conversation, leave out the emotional aspects of being a landlord. I'm not overly sure that I want to do that. I was just curious about the mechanics of this and whether it was worth it to, to look into that. Does that make sense to you? If you're living there and renting out a piece of it, that's one situation. Yeah. If you're going to another right. place and but renting out the whole thing, that's a whole other a ball game. No, so we're going to be moving out. Okay, yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So here's, th- there's also some other things you have to be careful about. So if you're talking to a real estate person, that's probably going to pretty sound like a pretty good idea because they're coming from the real estate world. By the way, there are many terrific real estate people. They might not know all of the stuff about your personal situation in terms of how that's going to work for you. So th- there's a slight bias towards real estate folks about owning real estate, but that's just something you have to be careful about. Okay, there's a slight bias about property management companies suggesting that you can make lots of money if you hire a property management company. Exactly. A- and by the way, there's a slight bias from accountants, okay, who say that there's some tax savings that you may be able to do mm-hmm. from there. Okay, and my point is that your situation and your finances, you have to do all that math, okay, and come up with how that's going to work. I, With prices, the way they are, if you were to move into a new home, have you thought about what the prices are? Let's get a little bit particular here. What, what Have you looked at I, things and said, I'm going to spend this much and I can make that work? What's the deal? I expect that we had this, and I want to move on to another question here, but sure. but, but I, we had this appraised about a year and a half, two years ago, and yeah, he thought this was a $575,000 home or building. I go with that just for the sake of conversation. Sure. And when the last 
year and a half, maybe we're up a hundred thousand or so. Yep. I would imagine wherever we move in Plymouth County, I heard the average price of a house is six hundred thousand yep. dollars. Okay. So I don't know that we're going to clear a lot of profit if and when we sell the place. We might come away with, but if we sell it and then buy another place, absent the fees, we might come away with hundred thousand pocket money. Yeah. Okay. And, and by the way, no risk of a tenant moving out or no worries, okay, given the circumstances. If you decide, to, you got to do a mighty big mortgage to buy that new house, okay, or put one on either a new one on at the 7%. new house, okay, at 7%, or you got to refinance the existing house. If you sit down and do what the mortgage payments are, and if you sit down and do what the rent, I would be amazed if people could come out making money in today's real estate world on rental property just because they'd be priced, okay, mm -hmm. it, it couldn't, for most people, a real estate rental property is a 15 or a 20 year huh. ownership okay and if you're lucky five or six or eight or ten years down the road you actually turn right. positive cash flow and you, and you actually see money okay and remember you got a mortgage that you got to amortize that's going to take forever given the circumstances it's not for everybody okay and again if you got lots of time and lots of money to do it go for it because you can cover up your mistakes or you can wait mm -hmm. long enough. But if not, it's just a, people think it's so easy, but it's such a big risk. It really is. And what I'm seeing is most people that I'm seeing are getting investment properties so they have something to sell in retirement, not going into retirement thinking about having an investment property. I got you. Look, if there's more about that you want to discuss, I, that that would be terrific. Can I go on to my next question? Because I, unfortunately, sure. I sure. <laughs> shortly. Sure. This is more just a financial question. There's another gentleman I've been listening to on the radio. He talks about structured loans, structured notes, structured notes. And my financial guy doesn't seem to have much faith in those. What do you think about them? So explain to me what you think a structured note is and how it works. He explains it, and this is a European-style flash note. As he explains it, you make an investment for a, a return. When you sign on to the note, you get a return. And the upside is that the return is guaranteed unless that note is down 30% on, on its anniversary date. And then you're on the, you get your 12%, but you're on the hook for the remainder of the 30%. Okay. And how's that sound to you? In this particular economy, I don't know about that 30% loss. Yeah. Kind of wipe out a 12% gain. Right? sounds pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. So let, let me just back up. Okay. So a, a note is a bond. Okay. Bonds are lending investments. You bought that note, they gave you a certain interest rate for a certain period of time, and it, it gets over at some point down in the future, and there are rules Correct. about that. So because you buy the note, you're the lender, okay, whoever owns the note, they're the borrower, okay, there's a time frame, it goes for so long, and there's a deal. It's 12% unless it does this, that, and the other thing. What are they doing with the money? If they're buying... That's why I'm asking. And, well, my point is, what the hell are they going to do with the money that you lent them? How are they going to pay back that 12% return? You, you need to understand, did you lend it to a guacamole farmer, you know, in, in South America? Where is the money going and what are they doing with it? 
Okay, this is just a pure business question. What are they doing with the money so that they can make a deal like that? And the short story is they're doing something mighty risky if they're talking about 12%. So I, I think uh -huh. you just ought to find out what are you doing with my money so I can feel comfortable about getting that 12% return. So you need to understand something before you get into it. And if they can't explain to you what the money's doing, okay, in detail, and if you don't feel comfortable about that, then I wouldn't even think about it, okay? The second comment I'd have is, ain't no free lunch, okay, and a 12% return in today's world, common sense says it's probably a bit more risky than buying a 4% government bond these days, the thing. So I would find out what they're doing with your money. And by the way, they are also saying that you can lend somebody $10,000 when that bond matures, that company could be out of business and you might not get any money. So they're guaranteed, but who is it guaranteed by? What kind of pockets do they have and what's their track record? So you have a lot of research to do, okay, before you bite on that. And by the way, so they told you that the value of the investment might drop down 30% or more, basically. Said if it does. Yeah, no, yeah. No. They said, they, first of all, I'm listening <coughs> to this radio just like I'm listening you yep and this particular what the, this particular bond uh, or it is a bond a, a note is just a short-term bond so you're fine calling it a bond yeah okay it's based on yeah it's based on three different three different ind indexes okay and one of those indexes drops 30 percent then yep. you're on the hook for that okay now those indexes stock indexes or bond indexes i believe that they're stock indexes but yeah okay yeah my i guess my point is Okay, whenever you lend your money to somebody who's taking it from you and promising you to do something, just find out what they're doing with it and the details. And by the way, those indexes that you're in, take a look at the history. And by the way, what have they done in the last year? Is it, maybe it's down more than 30%. I don't know the details. You need to find out what they're doing with your money, but you should be suspicious if somebody's telling you you got a guaranteed 12% return, even if it drops down 30%. I, that, that's a, that doesn't sound like a, that's a free lunch that doesn't sound like a free lunch from my point of view. So just, by the way, in the investment world, as another aside, okay, investment companies and people who are always trying to figure out new ways to get your money okay and make money with it the thing so they're creating all kinds of brand new investments every week just to kind of rehash and get you know it's a marketing thing oh we can do this because interest rates are low and we can do that and the other way but most of the innovations in the investment world are scams that won't last long five percent of the things that show up in my world last a long time and the rest is uh, they die a slow or a fast death <laughs> okay mm -hmm. and, and not pleasantly so i would be suspicious of that Okay. I got you. Okay. And get, please get more information. Just ask him how much is, what do I have to do to lose all my money? Or what do I have to do to... Well, I've never spoken to this guy. As yeah. I said, I, yeah. I hear him on this radio station yeah. and he's, he, as you are, he claims to be a fiduciary. Yeah. Yeah. But my guy, but my guy is on the same track as you. Yeah. He said he doesn't really trust them. No, nope. no free lunch. Yeah. Okay. I know you're coming up against it. I appreciate, and I am too, and I appreciate your time. Thank you Just very one, much. Just one other thing, Mike, I wanted to throw in there too is if you're considering maybe staying in your house and aging in place or whatever, you are so close to Bridgewater State University that renting out a room to a student sometimes you can do really well on that and sometimes they're just the kids who are they're not the partiers and everything else that you're maybe thinking about when you think about a college tenant 
but there are a lot of times where there's just the young girl that wants to live just to be in a nice safe place and that's where her parents want her to or a son so that's actually a consideration because you're so sure, close yeah. to the university or maybe there's some entity that's looking at that home saying hey if i buy this i can rent the whole thing out and make a lot of money and i'll pay this guy a lot of money to do that and that we so, have yeah, those too yeah when it goes to being marketed maybe it, as a rental property it's gotten more pizzazz mm-hmm. than a yep. living house i have somebody who owns two of them in bridgewater mike they're shutting us off thank you so much for the call it was fun we appreciate Thanks, that guys. bye mike have a great day bye-bye